Hello and welcome to the Flex. Uh, it's Matt St. Jean here with Cal Friedman of Kane Sport. We're doing something new here. Opposition research. We're, we're taking a look at the Miami Hurricanes. You guys know what to expect from them this Saturday. Thanks for coming on, Cal. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, this is this should be an interesting matchup. Four o'clock on Saturday at Mohegan Sun. I know that Miami and Providence almost played last year in the Elite Eight had the Friars gotten through the uh, eventual national champion there in Kansas. What uh, what happened? How did that season end last year for Miami? And what's changed since that point? I mean, it was the best run Miami had gone for a long time. It was actually the furthest they'd ever gone in the NCAA tournament, getting all the way to the Elite Eight. But they got so ridiculously hot during ACC play. And that was because they finally found an identity. Um, the last couple of years, uh, 2020, 2019, 2018, Miami dealt with so many injuries. And there were questions, actually, about the team in 2021 just because nobody believed in it after the last couple of seasons had gone so poorly. But last year, they really came together and played this kind of small ball offense. They used Jordan Miller, who was at George Mason the year before, as a sort of pseudo power forward, they got Charlie Moore from Kansas to be like this really good facilitator that they'd really been missing for a long time. And then with the isolation scoring of Isaiah Wong and Cameron McGussey, they got really good wins against North Carolina, against Duke. They beat Wake Forest on the road. And it really started to pull together towards the end of the season. And then you saw their run in March. They were able to beat USC, blow past Auburn, and then beat Iowa State in the Sweet 16. It all kind of came crashing down at the end of the year because Miami really ran like a seven to eight man rotation to whereas Kansas would use nine to 10 players a game and Kansas was able to outlast them in the second half. But it was the best season in program history, really. Yeah, Charlie Moore is a guy we're familiar with. He was at DePaul before mm -hmm. he was at Kansas. He bounced yeah. around. He's actually a, a fan favorite here on the show, too. Um, really? My, uh, my usual co-host, he and his brother are huge Charlie Moore fans, and I believe his brother has a Charlie Moore DePaul jersey, if I'm not nice. mistaken. So it was, it was nice to see him succeed there. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, I know he's not with the team anymore. Who's out? Who's in for Miami? So we had a lot of graduations. It was a really experienced team last year. So they lost three of their five starters from last year with Moore, McGusty, and Sam Wardenberg, who was the team center. But they've done a really good job at replacing them. They got Nigel Pack from the transfer portal from Kansas State, who was unbelievable in the Big 12 last year. And then they got Norchad O'Meara from Arkansas State, which I don't think a lot of people had heard about him, but he averaged a double-double last year. And he has been phenomenal in this offense because – He's not as tall as Wardenberg is. He's only around 6'7", but he's big. He's like two he's around 250. Um, he kind of is just – he can play all over the place. He has a bit of a shot, um, but his interior game is phenomenal. He's leading Miami in offensive rebounds right now. Um, he just had his season high 21 against Florida A&M. He, he actually had the most rebounds of any Hurricane in two years in his first game. He got 15 against Lafayette, and he's kind of just come in and been seamless for this offense. And then the bench has kind of remained the same. It's just kind of gotten a year older. Um, Bensley Joseph's been really good off the bench as a defensive-minded point guard. And Harlan Beverly came back from – he's basically been injured for the majority of the last two seasons. He's been really good from beyond the arc so far. Yeah, And Isaiah Wong, still the team leader there? Yeah. Um, he's been – phenomenal this season um he got off he actually did not play his best game against florida and m recently but 
the game is clearly slowed down for him. He's thrown up some really nice passes, which I think a lot of people were expecting him to develop more as a playmaker last season, but it's really started to flow for him this year. He had seven assists in the last game. He had a couple really nice alley-oop passes, and the scoring's always going to be there with him. Now, what were the the expectations coming into this year for Miami? I know the Hurricanes are currently receiving votes in the AP Top 25. Is the expectation that this will be a ranked team this year? Yeah, um, the expectations were really high. They got put in as fourth in the ACC in the preseason poll, which is the highest they've been ranked in a long time. Um, let me just pull up the number here. Yeah, fourth in the ACC. There are only three teams that were above them were North Carolina, Duke and Virginia and the ACC is really like kind of a mesh this year I think there's kind of two tiers at the top you got Duke North Carolina and Virginia and I think you got Miami Virginia Tech and Notre Dame and then you kind of just have everybody else but I think this should be a very good Miami team it's a team that has their identity from the start which they didn't have last year yeah I I don't think we need to talk about the bottom of the ACC right now the way things have looked there at the start (laughs) of this season (laughs) now we can pretend that that doesn't exist for uh, this one um obviously bad start for a lot of the other ACC schools but a 3-0 start for Miami how has the team looked in the first week and a half here um they've looked pretty good so far um they haven't played anybody too convincing yet um I suppose their best win came against UNC Greensboro but they've won every game by double figures the one thing that I've noticed a lot about this Miami team is how good they adjust at a halftime. Um, they do a really good job adjusting the team's games plans, excuse me, and they're outscoring teams by around 42 points in the second halves of this season. And the one thing that I've also noticed is the ball movement has been really good on this team. They had 22 assists against Florida AM on Tuesday, and they've got 54 as a team this season, which in a lot of seasons past, Miami's been sort of this ISO ball team with players like Chris Likes, Wong, McGusty. But this year, they're moving the ball around so well around the perimeter. Yeah, so that brings me to my next question here. What are the team's strengths? I know you got Jim Laranega there as the coach. What's his style? How does he try to win games? You know what? Jim Laranega is very good at adjusting the team's game plans. Um, it happened in the first game. Um, we were playing Lafayette, and they kind of played a pack line defense. So Miami got a lot of open threes. And they weren't hitting them at first, but they did a really good job adjusting in the second half and kind of playing to their game. I think one thing that Miami does so well this year is they crash the offensive boards phenomenally. Um, Omir has 15 offensive rebounds this year. Jordan Miller's got around seven and a half rebounds per game, which is really good. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the country. He does every little thing so well. And I think Miami have a string of really good rebounding this year, which gives them a lot of second chance possessions. And the way they move the ball around the perimeter just becomes so hard to stop them if you don't grasp the glass. Yeah, and I noticed uh, when we were doing our our last episode before the third game, I think Miami is one of the top teams in the country when it came to like three-point ratio. It seemed like at, at least at that point you guys were taking a lot of threes, but also maybe giving up a lot of three pointers. Is that an area for concern on defense? The way this season has started, I've been at all three games so far, and I've kind of seen how it's gone. The first half of games, I feel like a lot of the shots that the the teams we've been playing have gone in, and they haven't been the best looks, but they just seem to keep going in, um, especially against Lafayette the first game. They had a lot of shots in that first half. It's like, okay, like it's not a high-caliber shot, but they're just hitting it. But, yeah, Miami's taken a lot of threes so far but it's kind of what they've been given. They've taken 28 threes per game so far, 
and they're hitting 35% in them. They got really good production in the second half against Greensboro back last Friday. But overall, they haven't shot the three consistently so far. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Wong, what's his game? Is he going to try to take threes? Does he take it to the rim? Does he settle for the mid-range? Isaiah Wong is someone that's adaptable to what he gives. Um, he's a very physical driver when you let him go downhill. But I also think what stands out of him is he's got some of the best balance of any player in the country. He is so good at adjusting his body mid-air, getting contact. Um, he had the most free throws by a Miami player in ACC play in a while last season just because he'll get inside or he'll get to the mid-range and he knows exactly how to get leverage against a defender and he will just hang up in the air it seems it'll seem like for an extra second and a half just to make sure he gets the contact so i'd say he's someone that really likes to thrive off of contact getting to the line but he also has a very nice mid-range jump shot all right, that's interesting. I know I was looking at uh, the website Shot Quality earlier, and they have like a, a a three and rim rate. So basically, how how many of your shots come at the three point line or at the rim? And Miami was lower than I expected, so I was kind of anticipating that he might like the mid range game. Yeah, um, is that something that Nigel Pack likes too? Yeah, Nigel Pack is one of the best three point shooters in the country coming into this season. I mean, he led the Big Twelve in three point percentage last year for Kansas State. The shots haven't quite fallen for him yet, but yeah, he's going to take a lot of his shots from beyond the arc. And I think the big thing about this guard duo is a lot of people were wondering, is Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong going to work? But I think the way that both of them play off the ball is very strong. They're both kind of pseudo guards. Both can play the point, but both are also combo guards. So a lot of possessions, you'll see Nigel Pack being the point guard, and you'll see Isaiah Wong trying to play off the ball. I think Nigel Pack does a really good job of playing off the ball and he gets a lot of open looks because he's able to just move around so much around the perimeter. He's a really smart player as well. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about the, the two guards there, Amir down low. Uh, what about on the wing? What does Miami like to do there? So Miami's a little younger this year. Um, McGusty was a big loss. He'd been there the last three years. So the new starter for Miami this year is Wooga Poplar, who came into Miami at 17 years old. And from the moment he got to campus, a lot of the veterans on this team praised him and said, This guy has some of the best athleticism on this team. And he just had like four dunks in the last game against Florida A&M. He does a really good job just bringing energy. He always is very quick up and down the court, crashes the glass really well, kind of an underrated player in this Miami team. And Jordan Miller was someone that played more interiorly last year, but he is so versatile. He can play on the outside. He's hit five of his 12 threes this year. He crashes the glass while I mentioned the rebounding. He kind of just does a little bit of everything. And so far, Miami's used him kind of differently in all three games so far. They used him a lot on the perimeter in game one. In game two, he got a lot of good looks on the perimeter. And then in this last game against Florida NM, he was crashing the glass the entire second half and getting a lot of second chance points. He gets a lot of points. I don't know if this will happen against Providence. He gets a lot of points on following up and getting tippins because he's just such an intelligent player. He knows exactly when to crash the glass. So it sounds like against this Miami team, you really got to look out for those second chance opportunities and take advantage of the, of the times when they do miss from the field. Yeah. Which is different from last year because Miami's typically been a bottom five, bottom three, even rebounding team in the ACC. But I think the difference of playing Miller inside and using Norchad O'Meara to get offensive rebounds. This just kind of reinvented the identity of this team. 
At the defensive end, is there anything that stands out with their identity? They rotate phenomenally. Um, I think when you have a lineup of players that are on their, you know, six foot eight, you know, there's not a lot of size to it. But if you watched games last year against, you know, North Carolina, they held Armando Baycott to two points in the first half. They did really well against Duke's bigs last year. It's just because they rotate as a team. They communicate exceptionally well. And while they don't have the size, they now have the physicality with Omir, but they do a really good job just constantly moving around. One thing that you might catch Miami doing that I've seen a lot of this season, and maybe that's just because they've been playing lesser opponents so far, but they will take a lot of gambles to try and intercept passes in the passing lanes and try and get out in transition. That's how Miami wants to play this year. They want to be a team that creates turnovers and gets at transition. That's how they played last year, and they had so much success. They don't turn the ball over on offense, and they create turnovers on defense. Very, very interesting stuff there. Uh, one one final question here. Who's the X-Factor for the Hurricanes this Saturday against the Friars? I'd absolutely say the way that Norchad O'Meara started this season, he'd be my X-Factor because if Miami are able to create second-chance points, I mean, Miami's going to be able to score in this game. They're going to get around 60-65 at least, but it's the question of whether O'Meara keeps getting these offensive rebounds. And while he's done it so far against some mid-major schools, it'd be very interesting to see if he's able to do it against the tournament team in Providence. So if Miami is able to get second chance points through Omir, then it could be a long day for Providence. But if Providence are able to limit him, then it could be a good day for the Friars. All right. Well, thank you, Cal. Good stuff. Where can people find your work? So you can follow me on Twitter at Friedman underscore Cal. Um, I'll post my articles there. I write for on three, which is, as you mentioned, Kane sport for Miami. And then I also broadcast on WVM 90.5 FM. Well, good stuff. Thank you very much for coming on here. Uh, now you know a little bit more about the Miami Hurricanes. This game will be at 4 o'clock on Saturday, so make sure not to miss it. We're going to have a show for you, I think, Sunday night once uh, once Joe gets back from these games. So that'll be the next time you hear from us. Go follow Cal. Check out his content. Make sure you're following us as well. And uh, we'll see you after the game on Sunday. Thanks for listening.